This is the Ed Milet Show. Hi, everybody. It's Ed Milet. Welcome back to Max Out. I am so fired up about today's program. I've been chasing this lady to get on the show for chasing, chasing for like many, <laughs> many, many too, so. hard to catch. In fact, so hard to catch, I had to drive all the way to your house yes. to do this today. So Welcome you know this is you know this is a great pad, and it's a family home, which is reflective of you too. But you know this is important to me today because we didn't shoot it at my house. I came to you, and this lady, most of you recognize her, but if you don't, she's a trailblazer, and um, she's an incredible mother. She's an author. She's one of the greatest college softball players of all time. She's an Olympic gold medalist, and she is many, many other things, but she's also really the first female baseball announcer in the history of ESPN, and she is also the host of Sunday Night Baseball with my friend Alex Rodriguez. And so we got all kind of stuff to cover today. So <laughs> thank you for it. being Get here. After it. Good to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming. I'm glad you're in my house. I know. I'm pretty honored. It's cool. And we're sober today, guys. No alcohol in today's show. So <laughs> Alfred Scott. She did. She did. I wanted to keep it real. So thank you again for doing this. And um, I don't know if you realize it, but you're making history. Does it feel like it to you? I mean, that you've broken through all of these barriers. I mean, you're the first woman ever to do what you do in terms of the broadcasting realm. Do you ever think about that? I don't. I mean, I don't think about it like history. I think, I guess when you do stuff like that, mm -hmm. it's it's for history. It's for when 30, 40 years yeah. from now and I got grandkids and we're sitting around the table and yeah. you, you look back. Um, that's how I think of it. Mm -hmm. I think what it hits me more is that there's more responsibility. Yeah. Um, so I, I recognize that this is more than just about me. Mm -hmm. that this isn't just me doing my job, but there are a lot of women, there's men, fathers, daughters, um, mm. that depend on, on me to, to not screw up. I, I've recognized that from day one. Yeah, it's true. When, when women knew that I was finally had booked you, I gotta tell you, I was struck by kind of the level of emotion from some of the women about how much they're rooting for you. And you're so great at it, so they don't really need to worry about that. But I, it's interesting to me. I think when you're making history, you don't know it. It's not until you're done making it that you go, wow, that was profound. But in you know, the 50, 80-year history of the sport and then all the television time, you're the first woman to do this. And so it's pretty significant. I had Christine Simmons on my show, who's the uh, president of the LA Sparks. And she's an African-American woman. And she said to me, she says, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm the first and I want to do a good enough job so that I'm not the last. Yeah. No. And that was honestly one of the biggest things. I talked to John Skipper, who mm -hmm. was then president of ESPN, mm -hmm. and him giving me the opportunity to be on Sunday Night Baseball. I was like, look, like I just don't want this to be the, hey, we'll put her, put her on for a couple games. Like, yeah. Don't put me on unless it's something that we want to sustain. And mm -hmm. not just with me, but just as far as opening the door to a lot of women. And yeah. that's where the responsibility kicks in. Because yeah. if I screw up, that door closes. Right. I want to knock the damn door down and just yeah. like, come on, everybody. Right. Like, well, you're doing it because just recently you just signed a multi-year deal with them so it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon right so yeah congr i'm excited yeah i get to stay <laughs> congratulations that's because you've done such an amazing job and alex is constantly telling me how incredible you are and and frankly before um you and i had met i was familiar with you but i must tell you he raved about you in our you know private conversations about you he thinks the world of you so but i want to go back because i want people to you know you're 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 not the after you're in progress but i want people to kind of know a little bit more because i think they know you as the <clears throat> broadcaster but if you really dig deeper you're an incredible athlete as well right so 
This woman won a gold medal and a silver medal in the Olympics. And in, in, at Stanford in softball, right off camera, I said, you're one of the greatest college softball players of all time. He went, no, no, I'm not. And I said, well, at Stanford. She says, no, no, I'm not. But the truth is, you were a great athlete. Were you always a great athlete growing no. up? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ed, like, uh -huh. I, I wish we had like a reel I could just show you me. You know, around the holidays, especially, my parents would break out like old videos of, yeah. you know, me as a kid, <laughs> me playing softball. I mean, I played all sports, but I was completely uncoordinated. Like, what? Oh, gosh. Ed, like, me and T-ball, right? The ball's on a stick, okay? Right, it's right. not moving. Right. I would strike out. Like, I'm, <laughs> but I'm like, I mean, my personality, too. Right. Like, I'm, like, all into it. Like, right. taking these huge hacks, trying right. to swing out of my shoes. Right. And the ball's still sitting there on the stick. And right. even right. running down the first baseline, I look like Phoebe from Friends. Like, well, Are you serious? Like, when did you get good? <clears throat> I mean, my dad was, you know, he's a legendary in this area, football, baseball coach. Yep. And I grew up on the sidelines. I grew up in the dugout. Um, coach's kid, you you're always, good. yeah. You're, well, you're just always practicing. Like, yep. my dad didn't see the uncoordination or just the total, mm. like, you know, wow. Mm. Like, right. he, he saw the athlete always, yep. and he saw the potential. And so, especially my younger sister and I, we worked all the time. Mm. Before you could eat dinner, you had the weight program. You had to do. This is like when you're your coach's kid. Like yeah. I have friends to this day that said, I hate it coming to dinner at your house because my your dad would make us work out before no we way. could eat. <laughs> no way. I was like, oh, he made you do that too, and that yeah. was just the norm. I was like, is that not <laughs> that what you not do at your that? house? Yeah. He's like, he had, it was called military workouts, and he had like a military press bar, and then we'd have to do this full workout before you could eat dinner. Whoa. Yeah, no, he was he was intense. You're, it's funny because of a lot of the athletes I have on my show, not all of them, but usually one of the two parents instilled some sort of kind of crazy work ethic that they think is normal that nobody else in the world does when they were young. So it was your dad. Yeah. And your dad sure. played college football at Fresno State, right? Yes. Dang, yeah. you did do your homework. I did do my homework. Yeah. And I'm also told through a mutual friend of ours that your dad is a central figure in the sense that he's a huge fan of yours, but he'll also let you know what's up, both oh, when yeah. you played and in broadcasting. Oh, yeah. And that your mom is more just a support and a fan. So yeah. describe the dynamic. You just people, I think people that have children want to know, how do you make something like this, right? So what was that, <laughs> how, what was that dynamic balance, like or is? The balance is key. And I think understanding your kid. I mean, I got two boys now. And and my sister and I were super different. And so um, just understanding the personality. Like, I, I mean, my dad pushed me. But mm -hmm. my mom was there to also, um, she was incredibly intelligent. So she pushed the school end of it. Okay. But then was softer on the athlete. She was always just like, you're doing a great job. No matter what, on the sports side. When it came to school, it was like, you can do better. Okay. Whereas my dad was like, ah, schoolwork. Like, <laughs> just get after them. And, and so they balanced each other, yeah. you know? And we could kind of find that happy medium. They both weren't like hardcore all the time. Would your dad let you know after a game that if something wasn't acceptable? Or you didn't play well. Oh, he never let me know the opposite. Like it was. I mean, if you okay, go ahead. I, I I can't remember until I got to college, and I remember like the first moment. But until I got to college, I don't remember him ever saying like "good job." And I don't mean that mm -hmm. in like a bad way. Mm -hmm. I just the coach and him. I could be three for four with three home runs, and we talk about the one at bat I didn't go on base. No kidding. And that mentality still inside of me. Of mm. you know, even in broadcasting, it's like okay, like you can work and work, but mm. there's there's always something you can get better. better yeah. And it's not looking at it like you're bad or he never was like you're awful mm -hmm. or he was never negative. Mm -hmm. He was just always trying to give that constructive criticism of like, okay, but what are we trying to do to get better? I think sometimes, I'm that way a little bit too, and I think sometimes it says something to you that's powerful, which is like, we know you're better than this. 
I know you can be better than this. I think yeah. if you're willing to break the negative part down, even with your kids, because people, we're in this sort of positive PC world, like everything has to be. Everyone gets a trophy. Everyone gets we're a trophy. All great. <laughs> but you said you remember the first time he yes. validated something you did. What, what was that? I was like, it was yesterday. Um, so it's it's funny. It's like such an emotional moment because mm -hmm. it, it hit me like a lightning rod. And I'll mm -hmm. never forget, we were in my parents' van. I was playing in a tournament. So I was at Stanford, okay. freshman year. Preseason tournament, we're in San Diego, and we just played Cal State Northridge. Okay. I was up to bat with the bases loaded. I'm batting third as a freshman, so I'm feeling pressure. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, this is who you want up to bat. You want yeah. the number three batter, bases loaded. This is a team that we should beat. And I struck out on a changeup, and I can remember the pitch. And it was a pretty fat changeup, too, and I don't know, like, just didn't see it, whatever. Like, missed it. Game ends. We had it like a break, so my parents took me to lunch before we had to be back for the next game. And I remember sitting in the back seat behind my dad, my mom's over here, and I'm just like, I mean, as down as they come, and I'm ready for it. Like, tell me what I did wrong, like, you know, but I'm already like, I know I'm awful, like, you know. He pulled the car over, and he turned around, and he's like, Jesse, like, don't you know that you're the best athlete that our family has ever seen. And I was just like, like head up. Like, he's like, my dad played sports. He's like, I played in college. He's like, we had athletes. And he's like, I mean, he turned around to look at me and he was so like emotional and proud. And he had never like, never like even come close. And all of a sudden it went from like that to like, don't you know? Wow. Like you're this down on a str like don't you know who you are? Like wow. you're you're the best damn athlete this family has seen. Mm. And to come from the coach, like yeah. my dad and like yeah. oh massive moment. Uh, it yeah. literally like changed me because it helped me see me for like the first time. Other than that, like up until that point it was like just what you know, he had done just that constant how can I be better? I'm not good enough and all of a sudden I was like, Wait, you think I'm like oh. you know? It was that's, I know it sounds cheesy, but it was, and from that moment on, it was like it shifted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, to this day, like, is my biggest fan, him and my mom, but, mm -hmm. like, his ability now to say, I'm proud of you, mm -hmm. and you are accomplishing more than I could have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it strikes him that it was a, a female in the family, and he said that too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's just like, of all the men that we have in our family and the jocks, and he's like, I never would have thought it would have been a woman mm -hmm. that would be in our family that would do the things, and, and now he's sold, like on women's athletics. and. So amazing. It's cool. I can just see your whole being changes when you talk about it. So that's wonderful. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that like, yeah. very well, much. It was definitely a, one of those, you have them that sprinkle throughout your life. And that was one that literally was like the heavens opened up and I was just like, wait, wow. what? Like, wow. Like, do you think you still, like when you're doing really well, you do something is like, like even this new deal you signed, do you still kind of think of like your dad as one of the first people when you do something good? I'm like, Ed, it's like mm. I become, and I'm, I'm daddy's girl and I'm mm. close. My mom's my best friend. Mm -hmm. I feel like she doesn't get enough credit, credit either. Yeah. She's my best friend, but she's, it's an easy relationship. Yeah. You know, I was always daddy's girl, just vying for that attention constantly. It was mm -hmm. never enough. And till this day, if he tells me he's proud of me, mm -hmm. I'm like the 10-year-old girl that's like, really? <laughs> like, you're proud of me? Wow. Like, and it's that's funny because of all the, you know, mm -hmm. social media and yep. likes and all the, the things that you can get for whatever yep. you might need, it comes back to my own father just saying, you know, four words. Me too, by the way. Isn't that amazing? I'm in the exact same way. You have millions of people liking your stuff, and if my dad's proud of me, I, everything else is amazing. By the way, millions of people are nodding their heads right now. Some of them are crying, and they're in total agreement with you. So let's just finish this piece, though, because it's pretty incredible. 
this is such an accomplished woman. I, I love, the, the title of the show is Max Out, and it, but like you've really maxed out multiple areas. Like when I look at you, I'm like, I'm in your home. You, I, you can feel the spirit in your home and the love. And we're talking about your sons off camera and your husband and just, I can feel this is such a loving family. And you were this, you've got this unbelievable pioneering career that we're really gonna get into the teeth of in a minute. That's just, it's trailblazing. It's changing something forever potentially. And it's you. It's probably gotta blow your mind that it's you. But you were also an amazing athlete. And so don't be humble about this. You were, were you a four-time All-American? Yeah. Four-time All-American. Then you make the Olympic team and win a gold. What is winning a gold medal like? Huh. <laughs> um, what's cool is, okay, so we hear the national anthem how many times, you know, yeah. in your lifetime as growing up as a kid, you know, homeroom, yeah. games that you've played. I think what hit me with the Olympics, and this is a bit of my personality coming in. I mean, clearly I've loved the game of softball dedicated most of my life to playing it. So there's that passion, right? Yeah. Then you get to the Olympics. And to me, in 2004, um, we, had just, uh, we had just gone into Iraq. So our political oh, yeah. place in our country um, was very interesting at the time. Yeah. That's me. Like, I'm someone that's very aware of a lot of that. And yeah. I remember, you know, getting into the dining hall. And the cool thing about the Olympics is the Olympic Village, you've got 10,000 athletes. You have more countries represented in the Olympic Village than you do in the United Nations. Okay. So my favorite piece of the Olympics, besides the on the field, was actually our meals. Really? Beyond the fact that I love to eat. But the fact <laughs> that I would actually not sit with our team. I would go, and I re remember clearly I wanted to sit down with the Iraqi soccer team. And none of them that I had met in line getting food spoke English, so I had met this Egyptian high jumper that was able to help me, like, translate. And so I went down and sat with the Iraqi soccer team with this new, like, friend that I met on the Egyptian track team and literally just sat down and had conversations about what was happening between our two t countries. Oh my gosh, what it, a great story. No, but it yeah. was like... What did you get out of that? Just like, well, honestly how like upset they were and, mm. but yet here we are and they were so just like taken aback by the fact that I wanted to talk politics in the middle of this like <laughs> entire arena. And they ended up inviting me back to their side of the village and mm. we, we just hung out. We spent like hours just kind of talking and getting into stuff and... Mm. You know, and it didn't stop there. You meet athletes from all over, but the point is when you have USA across your chest, yeah. like I wanted to know what that really meant. And mm. when you win a gold medal mm. and now the anthem is playing, it brought such a sense of pride for our country mm. that I, I don't want to say, I mean, I was always proud to be an American, but you know, you yeah. grow up here, you don't really realize. Mm. <clears throat> and, and for me talking to not just Iraqi athletes, but honestly, you know, athletes that, you know, finding out that they don't have any female representatives from their entire country. So knowing here that I grew up and not, I had opportunities galore from the age that I could first walk, like throwing a ball <clears throat> and playing with other kids. And so to answer your question, like you get a gold medal, but like, honestly, like I lost it. And I'm not really? like very emotional, like mm -hmm. crying very much. I lost it. Wow when we got up on that podium and our flag was raising and you have mm. USA across your chest and it's like you combine that, like of course all the hard work to win that gold, yeah. your teammates, your sisters, mm -hmm. that love. Mm -hmm. But there was this whole like huge, it hit me in mm. Athens, how proud I was to be from the country I was from. 
um, and to understand what that meant too, not just, but you know, warfare and yeah. all the different things that make it complicated. Yeah. That sometimes you're not proud of, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's, it's USA. This is who I am. Wow. What an amazing story. Like that is an amazing story. I can just picture you sitting there talking to this Iraqi player, oh. like, what an amazing well, my, experience. And it was funny because my teammates were like, what are you doing? Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right, what is right, like, going on? And right. I wouldn't give up because I was like, because they were looking, even they, like when I first started to try, I was like trying to converse with them and it wasn't working. And they're just looking at me like, what What are you trying? Like, yeah. you know? And so then I finally got a friend of mine that I was able to, okay, can you help me? And so then I f went back to their table and they're like, she's back. <laughs> like, <laughs> she is again. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And I'm glad I did because... My first impression, I'm sure they would just been like, oh, crazy American, like, right, you know? Right. But we ended up getting to know each other. What a um, wonderful story. As much as you could, you know? And and I loved that because I can't, I couldn't fly over to Iraq right. and talk to people. Right. And yet we have this huge ability, yeah. and I know it sounds, I guess, cheesy, but within the Olympic arena to yeah. cross any border right. and have like real conversations. Yeah, I don't think it's cheesy, and I actually also think it's kind of a metaphor for who you are, which is that when there's an opportunity presented to you, you jump all over it in every aspect. And not everybody listening to this has the opportunity to go win a gold medal or be in the Olympics, but they do have a chance to get out of their comfort zone and go explore experiences and do something extraordinary. And this is no knock on the rest of your teammates because they obviously won a gold medal, so there's something you share with them forever. But you were the one who went and did that, right? And so that's a, that really is important. Like people, there's experiences all around you every day, every year. There's something where you could step into an uncomfortable space and just have an experience. Well, going up to a stranger, like when yeah. you talk about uncomfortable, yeah, like yeah, that's extreme. Like a, mm -hmm. someone from another country, but like I think all the time of of times that I've gone up to someone mm -hmm. that makes you uncomfortable mm -hmm. because, and, and I do, I tell you, I get that look a lot, like. What, like, are you, because I'll kind of stumble through, like, I'm not the most, like, I come up to a con, and I'm like, I really want to talk to you, mm. you know, and it hasn't always worked out, too. I've had sure. people that literally have just walked away and been like, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. But the point is, is, like, I'll never know, and right. more of my doors have opened because I've gone up to complete strangers really? by myself mm. and just jumped, and I don't mm. even know where I'm going. I'm like, I just know I need to talk to you, Ooh, so wow. I'm going to start kind of bubbling through this. This and is very good. Awkwardly talking yep. to you, and yep. then hopefully at some point we find like a conversation mm. and connect. Oh my gosh, that's so good. But I think it's people like, appreciate that. They do appreciate that. I I do the same thing, and I am awkward at it, and it's gone weird for me a few times too. <laughs> but like I have, I want a rich life. Like I want experiences. I don't want everybody else's life. And that's what I love about you. You haven't done that. You have this standard where like you want to dominate, right? And you did. She's one of the greatest softball players that's ever played that sport before. And it gets lost because you've become this pioneering broadcaster, I think, for a lot of people too. And you're so great at that. And I'm curious, you went and played professionally after that. But I want to go into this time, because I think people can relate to this, where your initial dream ends, right? So you, you maxed out that dream, but it kind of ends. And so there's a lot of people that listen to this, their first dream didn't work, their first business didn't work, their first marriage didn't work, right? There's things they've had where they're in that transitional period, like how do I put myself back together? How do I step into this space? Did you th think you were going to be a baseball broadcaster? And what did you do during that window when that dream ended? What does that kind of window of time look like for you? And I feel like the biggest thing, for me, I mean, you can ask my husband, like I'm mm. always, I always have my hand in multiple things. Like mm. I, I've never been able, and even just in general, like I can't do just one thing. Okay. Um, and so even while I was playing, to be honest, going back to why I chose to go to Stanford was like, even though there were huge softball schools, and I know to someone sitting there like, why would you want to go to a softball school? It's not like I'm some like football player is going to s sign with the NFL or, right. you know, 
but when you're 17, 16 years old, like you want to go to the big name schools right. that are still good schools, but they're mm -hmm. like, they're going to win a national championship and all your favorite players went there. Right. Um, I chose Stanford because my whole plan was like, I'm not going to play softball after mm -hmm. college. Like I need to make sure that I'm thinking about like what this degree is going to do versus mm -hmm. just a great softball place. You have a big life. I always say that to people, that many of my friends, and I have this too, I just have a big life, meaning just have a lot of things going on at any given time. Yeah. And if you don't learn to navigate that when you're not successful, just having a lot of things going on, it's very difficult to navigate having a big life once you are successful. That's why a lot of people get to a level of success, they can't maintain yeah. it, because you've always juggled lots of stuff and had crazy hours, I assume. True for yeah. you? Yeah. yeah, and the bad part is, is I don't know how to not do that. So there is a negative that can come with it. Like it, mm -hmm. and by no means has my path been perfect in mm -hmm. the sense, like I've juggled too many things and it's gotten mm -hmm. way out of control. And me too. Now my off season, so mm -hmm. you can relate. Yeah. I literally plan stuff because, like, if I'm not working, cause baseball season isn't going on. Mm -hmm. I drive my husband crazy because I'm like, let's fly here, let's do this, let's get the kids involved with that, and like I'm just like over planning because I can't just like. How do you balance that? People, I'd be really remiss if I didn't ask you and then we'll get back in. How are you at balancing all this stuff? M mother, wife, you know, broadcaster, author, how do you do that? I've learned that like even the word balance is a bad word me, for me. Me too. I just put a video out before I pulled up here today. I don't even believe in the concept. Yeah. I think seeking it's good, but you can't get it. Because I get that question a lot. Like mm. how do you balance, fa especially family and work, like being a mom and and literally that word like makes me cringe because especially I feel like, and I'm not saying that men don't have it too, mm. but I feel like for women that are moms, there's this idea that like, you know, working mom, I can, you know, be hair done, go mm. out and save the world, come home, mm. apron on, dinner mm. served, house is clean, kids are sitting neatly with a little, you know, <laughs> heck no. Like, right. I mean, you should see I mean, My kids are in school right now, otherwise they'd be hanging all over crazy, <laughs> like, you know, wrestling yeah. you and, yeah. You know, it's it's crazy and it's not perfect and there isn't a balance. What I've learned and accepted is that there's times when I'm on the road and I'm missing stuff at home. So the balance is not. Like I'm all in on work and I'm not all in at home. Yep. And that's that's hard to swallow. Yes. There's times I'm at home and I'm with the kids and I blow off a conference call and mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what, I wanna be in this moment. Yep. And and honestly work suffers for mm -hmm. it. How do you navigate? How do you, you know, it, it's definitely imperfect. And the biggest message I just constantly want to get out there, especially for women that are considering having children, can mm. I do it all? It, it's not about doing it all. It's doing what you're doing in the moment the best that you can. Boy, and being okay, like swallowing, and like, and that's where, because I, I get it all the time, the guilt and this image that I have to be like the PTA mom mm. and the, no. Wow. I'm me. Mm. And I think for every female out there is, I just had a friend of mine who just was debate, she's in broadcasting, was trying to decide if she should have a child. And I was like, our kids will adapt to who we are and mm. the life that we create, mm. not the life that society said, you know what, this is what children have to do. This yeah. is the book yeah. on every family. Yeah. This is just our family. I, I like, I'm so thrilled you said that because for you to say it's better than the way that I would say it and because you give permission to a whole gender of people who are the ones who most of the time are the most criticized for that. For some reason it seems more acceptable for a man to have certain areas of his life spiking and that's what I th say too. There's at any given time different areas of your life are what I'd call spiking and that's take your attention. Yeah. And you're exactly right the way you even described it with your hands. But it seems as if it's somewhat acceptable when a male does it 
and I don't want to overcook the pie here, but it does seem like women take more criticism oftentimes or, oh. or maybe feel more guilt about certain areas spiking yeah. at any given time. It's both. Like, because yeah. I work, I mean, I work with all men. Right. And it's amazing to me how I even had a manager once ask me the question. I think we were at spring training. He was like, oh, how long are you here? I'm like, oh, like 10 days. I'm going around to all the camps. And mm. he's like, you have two kids? And I was like, yeah. He's like, how do you, how do, you do it? How are you away? And I was like, how many kids do you have? Mm. He's like, two. I'm like, how do you do it? Mm. Like, you're here for three months? Mm. Like, and I didn't mean it like, mm -hmm. and I know this person well. Mm. It was just trying, and he was just like, oh. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, it's the same, you're mm. a dad. Like, a mm. dad's just as important as a mom. Mm -hmm. Like, we're parents, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not perfect. Mm. But, like, 100%, and there is guilt for sure yeah. that I throw on myself. But 100%, like, I never see men, even in interviews, or they never get asked, like, how do you be a dad mm -hmm. and you're working? Mm -hmm. Like, I've never even heard that question before. <laughs> so true. I get it all the time. Yeah, and, it's so true. And by definitely the way, judged by it. Yeah, very, very, very compelling answer. That's so true. So there's this time, your dream ended, you're juggling multiple things at once. You get into broadcasting through the softball space first, right? Is that's how it ends yeah. up happening? Were you? Don't be humble either. I'm really curious because you said you weren't a good softball player at first, right? Yeah. You had to work at that. Did this come more natural? Were you pretty good at this in the very beginning? Would you say? I think I was just. It, what surprised me because when mm -hmm. I first got asked um, to audition mm -hmm. um, because it was a need, you know, mm -hmm. basically softball was exploding on television mm -hmm. and they just needed more people. Uh, I remember my agent called and I just started laughing and I was like, mm. can you imagine a yeah. mic in front of me, no filter? Like, I'd be fired first day. Like, there's no <laughs> way. Like, and he's like, just go and try. Like, just, mm -hmm. it's not going to hurt. No mm -hmm. one's watching. It's an audition. So I did and I flew out there and I was just, I was nervous. I didn't understand. I had called a few friends, watched some games, but that was about it. Show up, Beth Mowens, who's now my broadcast partner, like for life on softball, um, had flown in for it. Never had met her before. And we sit down and they show a game, mm -hmm. you know, and we basically jump in on it. I can't tell you how natural it felt. Mm -hmm. So I can't say like, I don't, I don't have video of that yeah. early phase, but I recognized right away, oh, I can do this. Okay. It's like kicking it on the couch with your friends and mm -hmm. stuff that I realized I was already doing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, did you see her back foot? Like on that, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And that passion and excitement that yeah. just genuinely I have. Mm -hmm. Plus the like knowledge of being a coach's kid my whole life and Good point. And, and literally every night breaking down video. <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> it's so weird to me, but that's so cool though. No, I know. That's we, awesome. We were it's, weird, it's actually beautiful because it's part of this story that explains you. Like this work ethic and that extra stuff and the extra stuff. And like, it's what people need to hear. It's like, this is the true story of how you become special. And you'll never, I, even when we're off camera, it's like, you just don't accept that you're, when I say special, I don't mean like someone else can't replicate it. I mean like unique in that you've kept pushing past levels where most people said my will to win's over like okay i won that's enough and that's most people in life they do that eventually their will to win kind of gets bought do you know what i mean like they, you can buy them with enough accolades or enough money or enough success or enough acknowledgement and the really unique people in life alex is this way too is that there's no uh destination at which place they want to stop growing yeah their will is not for sale i, yeah. I hope that i think i'm that way well, there's a there's a screwed up I can speak for myself, mm -hmm. so I don't want to speak for you or right. Alex or anyone else, right. but there's there's a screwed up insecurity that comes with it. Yes. And for me, like that, it, it's not like the best trait either. Like mm -hmm. there's a part of me that just, you know, 
I've learned to be able to look myself in the mirror and see a strong, athletic, beautiful, like all these positives. But for a very long time, there's that sense of like, I'm not good enough. I have to be better. I got to work hard. Mm -hmm. And I know now, even in my own space, like I I have to work double, triple as hard just to prove, unfortunately, that like, I know you don't think I belong, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to kick your butt in like just proving. By being great. Just that I'm prepared and that I'm saying my points and I'm. I'm who I am. I'm really glad you said that. Like I, I, I'm loving this because I am insecure too. And most successful people have had this insecurity that they're not good enough. And it doesn't always come from just a place of confidence or identity. Like I have a really high identity, so do you. I have self-confidence. Self-confidence is more like self-trust. So I really trust myself, but it doesn't mean I'm not insecure, but I'm not measuring up. And I also think really successful people hold themselves to such a high standard that there's always this power that's pulling them to another place compared to where they are to where they know they could be. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think you have that. But the way you became a baseball, I mean, you really got the seat. As I understand the story, this is another example sort of, you had done some gains, but there's another example of an opportunity opened up and like you jumped. And so it, we don't need to say who or what it was, but isn't it accurate that there was somebody who had been suspended, another, there was a role, and if I'm wrong, correct me and tell it the right yeah. way, but part of it is someone had, you ended up getting a shot for a very short window yeah. in the main seat because of an issue with somebody else, and you seized the day, seized the moment. Is that about right at, 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 at yeah. some point? I mean, I would already, yes, and for Sunday Night Baseball, right, which is what I'm doing now, right. and, and you're right. It was the timing of all of it, because I had, I had done my first ever national baseball game, and it was kind of like hidden, not that ESPN had hidden it, mm. it was just the time of year was in August, I was replacing someone on ESPN2 on a Monday, and it wasn't a great game at all, mm-hmm. um, as far as teams and market, so it was like, yeah, let's have your first game be on this like easier stage, and that was on a Monday. Okay. Um, the suspension happened on Wednesday, and I got a call Thursday asking me to be on that Sunday night. So I'd just done my first ever Major League Baseball game. So the training wheels are off quick. <laughs> it was right? like, right. let's try this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had had lots of on-air time, lots of softball, softball. time, lots of, lots of stuff yeah. in softball. And I'd right. covered baseball. Right. Like I'd done features yep. and more reporting. Yes. Um, and I think for people that don't understand like the nuances of broadcasting, reporting and being an analyst, it, it all sounds the same, but it's totally different. Okay. And changing geography, because I'd actually been an analyst for the Men's College World Series, mm-hmm. College Baseball, um, from the sideline. So mm-hmm. I was doing the same job. Mm-hmm. But um, Phil Orleans, who's actually my coordinating producer, my boss now, he said the point to me. Um, he's like, I'd love for you to continue being an analyst, but until we put you in the booth, mm-hmm. that geographical change mm-hmm. of maybe 60 yards mm-hmm. will change how people see you forever. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I was actually satisfied, as long as I could get my content in of not I don't want to say just being a reporter, but like really like breaking down swings and yep. doing that. I didn't care where I was. I was right. going to do it from the sideline. Yep. And that was so accepted there because at the end of the day, even if I was breaking down a swing, people were like, oh yeah, she's a female on the sideline. That's where she belongs. They've seen female sideline reporters in the NFL, the sense. NBA. Yeah, yeah, that she can stay there. That's good. We're, no matter just... what she's saying, like as long as she's there, we're good. Whoa, it yeah. It was literally just going up the stairs and sitting in a booth that changed everything. Whoa. So Monday... You get the call Wednesday? Thursday. Okay. The suspension happened Wednesday. Thursday, they needed a replacement, so I get a call, and they still weren't even sure. They mm-hmm. were just kind of like, we're thinking about using you. And I'm like, oh, what Sunday? They were like, oh, like two days? And I was like, well, I need to fly somewhere. And like wow. for that Monday game, Ed, just to yeah. give you like my nerdiness, yeah. I had probably prepared three and a half months for that one Monday game because wow. I had known I was doing it. So mm-hmm. I'd flown all over the country. I met with the teams. I was like, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. And I was like, 
well, who's playing? Like, what's going on? Like, I have to fly, like, and I live here in LA, and it was a Dodger home game against the Cubs. And it was the game that Jake Arrieta threw a no-hitter, which was the first ever no-hitter on Sunday Night Baseball. Come on! In decades. So God's my in, first game. God's got his hand in a little bit here, oh. then, right? Like, come on. So yeah. your first daggum game. It was a no-hitter. The only no-hitter to ever be on Sunday Night Baseball. That's so. My first game. Look at that. My hairless arm has chills <laughs> on it. Arm. <laughs> That's so amazing. I didn't know that. And yeah. so you step into that. Here's one of these things you said earlier. There's a few of those moments in your life. Yes. Oh right? yeah. This is one of them. And I can remember in. that game and the I like and you're so right with mm. like there being a hand for sure. Because mm. I remember Buster Olney, who's mm-hmm. the reporter who works on the game, who I didn't know well at that point, mm. Sunday morning. So I come in, I you know, I live in LA, I know the Dodgers, like thank goodness. Yes. And I'm offensive minded, so I'm all about hitting. Mm-hmm. So I came in with like tons of Dodgers, tons of hitting. Yeah. So you know what happens for those that don't understand what a no hitter is. Like there's no there's offense no from the Dodgers the entire game. But that oh no, it was Saturday I'd come over to the game and Buster introduced me to Jake Arrieta, who was going to be the pitcher for the Cubs. It was going to obviously none of us know this at the time. Yeah. And just interge- just walked over, recognized that this is her first day on the job. She mm. knows nobody. Mm. Let me just be a good dude. Really. And yeah. introduce her to the starting pitcher tomorrow because that'll probably just help her a little bit. Wow. He introduces me, kind of breaks the ice to like, because mm. I'd never met Jake and I'm mm. nervous. And plus, you're in a clubhouse. It's just a you know yeah. different environment. And the next thing I know, Jake and I start talking. I mean, he's super. I mean, him and I clicked right away because mm. he. I mean, his brain, his understanding of his body. Mm. We end up talking for 45 minutes. Mm. I got more information on Jake Arrieta than I could ever. And, and I didn't even write anything down. It was just like you connect with Did someone. Did you use it during the game? Well, then that's what allowed me to That's all you had, then. right? That's what your stuff was. Yeah. yeah. But I would have gone in with just like Dodgers offense, like, yes, <laughs> with there. no hits. Yeah. And instead, I could dive into Jake because I'd just spoken to him the day before about mm. just like how he throws a slider, why he gets his body into certain positions. And it mm. was like amazing stuff. You guys have to understand something. This is the first time Sunday night baseball, right? Like it's... And you, you step in here, and it's a daggum no-hitter. It's that, like history-making yeah. game. But you crushed. You crushed. Crazy. And what what happens from there? Because, guys, in the history of the sport, there's been one female to sit in. also happens to be a Latina, by the way, who sits in that seat, right? What happens? Like, do they? Do you do another one and then another one? And they're like, hey, we think you're going to come back? Or what, what happens? Well, it was just supposed to be the game. And then... Um, the suspension ended up yeah. getting worse. Right. <laughs> um, and so it ended up get carrying out through the rest of the regular season. But it was just supposed to be the one game. And then mm. it just, it kept, it literally, like, it was crazy. Because it was mm. like, okay, like, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go back to, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of media that came after that was incredible just because it was a no-hitter. So there's so many yep. people, like, finally tuning in. They're like, wait, is that a woman's voice? Yeah. <laughs> like, so just the, yep. like, all these events happening. And then they kept me on for the, and this was, early September by this point. So it was another like four or five games. It wasn't like a ton. Yeah. Um, but I got to finish off the season and then do um, our wild card game, which is the first postseason game. You did a postseason game too. That year. Yeah, okay. it was Astros Yankees. Okay. Um, and then they asked me to come back and they signed me on to continue. And now I'm going into year four. That's unreal. And I got to tell you, I, I told you, we met in a gym, by the way, in St. Louis through Alex. And 
I told you this when we met, and I'm not, I, I, I mean this. Which, it's like perfect that I saw you in a gym, because you kind of just like blended right in. I didn't, had no idea, right. and then here you are in a gym because you're so buff. Right. I was just like, oh, you're like Thank the you. fixture Thank of like you. the, That's the gym. Really nice. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> They started he was to go, kissing his biceps, yeah. and I was like... <laughs> well, once you guys went to that yoga room, like, I gotta go. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I thought you were gonna I do the I workout her, with I, us. I left her in the yoga. But I gotta tell you, I told you this then, and I say this to you now. I, uh, I'm a, I was a broadcast major. I have a show. I also played baseball. And I think you're incredible at what you do. Um, you are my favorite broadcaster. And whether you were a man or a woman. And the reason is, is that your content preparations off the charts but people that are great at something bring a particular energy to it and this is a lesson for everybody watching this no matter what you do influence is energy persuasion is energy attraction is energy and there's you have the ability to transfer energy through a camera visually you also do it with your voice i think you're unbelievable at what you do and also the way you break down the game is obviously very scientific but you're incredible what you do, whether you were a, a male or a female. I just think you're excellent. I just want to tell you that. Thank you. You really are. And Thank I enjoy you. watching you, and I watched you for so long. And then, obviously, it morphs into just a couple questions about this, too. Because now it's changed the dynamic now. Now there's like three of you in this box now, right? There's yeah. three people in there. And then sitting next to you is one of now one of the five greatest people, I think, ever to, and you could argue even the best, but certainly in the top five yeah. ever to actually play that sport. Yeah. How did that impact you at all? I'm wondering, that dynamic of working with Alex, the fact that he was such an incredible player, did that cause any thoughts, changes, the way you delivered things, anything like that? I mean, so who I'd worked previously with was Aaron Boone, who, mm -hmm. who was a hitter, wasn't nearly the hitter, obviously, mm -hmm. of Alex, but was offensive. I didn't work with a pitcher. So and and is now also, by the way, the manager of the Yankees. He was now the manager right. of the Yankees. Right. Um, and so that was like for him, for Aaron and I, mm -hmm. like learning how when we're both hitting-minded, yep. more so neither one of us was a pitcher, um, to kind of figure out that balance and we would talk and kind of to be honest like you just get to know what gets people excited because okay. what it, it, we're a team mm -hmm. so what's going to make a great broadcast like I could I could say the perfect thing Alex would say the perfect thing but if we're not all on the same page and Matt Veskersen mm -hmm. who's our, our play-by-play um, it doesn't make for a good broadcast so what what's going to get you like mm -hmm. what what so that was my thing with Alex was finding out what gets you excited like obviously okay. We know how, how your, your records, everything you yeah. were as a player. But then there's this whole knowledge side to him mm -hmm. that you recognize, which you don't see a lot in super talented players because, mm -hmm. I mean, let's be real, they're five years old and they just can hit. So they right. never really learn anything. Exactly right. Just, like, they That's rake. why many of them make the worst coaches. Yes. Right. They can't teach because right. they're just like, just do it. Exactly. <laughs> like, That's you? what I did. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, Alex is the exact opposite. Like mm. he not only is incredibly talented, but then he does his his homework and his research and just understands and dives in and just mm. it, it's endless like yep. the amount of knowledge that he wants to learn um and even as a broadcaster now so w what was interesting and what we had to learn was just like okay what what gets i, I never wanted to to let to step on him mm -hmm. i wanted him to like our broadcast to make sure people someone hits a home run like i realize this and as much as mm. we can say like i'm great at all these mm. things like I want to hear from Alex on what he really? thought. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, because yeah. he's Alex. Like, mm -hmm. I want, when we're breaking down, like, uh, whatever it is, anything, honestly, in the game, I want to hear what Alex Rodriguez would do. Mm -hmm. Because that's, I mean, he's a, he's another level within the game that we're covering. And I can read him now and feel his, like, body mm -hmm. sitting next to me. So I can tell when he's still thinking. So, okay, I can jump in. 
mm-hmm. and he can always follow. Mm-hmm. But then there's time, and now like we, you know, we can tap, and like yeah. it's almost just like I got this, you know. Yes. I will always take a back seat to mm-hmm. Alex with as far as when he is excited mm-hmm. and he has that energy. You talk about energy. Yep. Because when he does that, I feel like he's one of the best broadcasters out there. Yeah. There's team dynamics and everything that people are listening to here. So it's like you can't just, nobody wins in business or anything like solo. There's people yeah. around you all the time. One thing he tells me about you all the time is like, you have no idea how hard this lady works and how prepared she is. Those are the things about you. And then the other thing that he's told me is just like, she always is thinking about how to put me in the best position to win. And that's, he, this is what he says about you. And that's a lesson for everyone with any company, any business, you have to be in a broadcast booth. It's your yeah. work ethic, it's your preparation, and it's putting the people around you in the best position to win, which you need to get credit for. Because not only are you great on your own, but you're great also. And your knowledge level of the game is just through the roof. But that also helps you. Like, I, I just, I don't know. And this is mm-hmm. playing team sports your whole entire life. But like, if you want to win, I want to win. Mm-hmm. And I'm competitive. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I get it. If it's me in an arena, like yeah. boxing match, me versus you, like there ain't no team. Like I'm kicking your butt, like hey. let's go. Yeah. But when you're talking about success, in pretty much anything you do, even when you're working on a project, it takes a team, raising children. And not just my husband and I. I mean, we got like lots of people yeah. <laughs> that help us and support us. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've learned that like I can't do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I learned that as a teammate. Like when I played on teams where I could be the best hitter, the best athlete, hit a home run every time, and we lose. lose. I don't want to lose. I love that. I want to win. I love that. <laughs> so you win by figuring out your teammates. Mm-hmm. Because of the role you're in. Not everyone's going to love you. You got haters and detractors, right? How do you deal with that? Because people out there have them too. If you're going to do anything great in your life, get ready. Someone's coming at you. Do you not care? Does it bother you? What do you do with it? I mean, I don't know. Like, I I guess I'd love to sit here and be like, doesn't bother me. Screw Mm -hmm. all you haters. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I tried that for a little bit. Um, That they do. They get Mm -hmm. to you, and not all of them. I mean. Mm I've changed my relationship with like social media, not reading, because you talk about you focus on the losses. I also focus on the negative. Like people could come and say overly positive things over and over and over, and I just I gloss over it. I read it, but I, I don't let it sink in. Mm-hmm. Someone comes at me with something negative, and I reread it, and I reread it, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and then I find out they have five followers, or like, you yeah. know, and I'm like, why am I focused in on this? Egghead, because it's yep. like not even a real avatar. Yep. <laughs> I don't even That's know if they're human, yep. you know. And and here I am, and they're gonna they're gonna affect my day. Mm-hmm. They're gonna affect and my early early years, like three years ago, <laughs> a Sunday night baseball. Yeah, back in the day, <laughs> a Sunday night baseball. Like I get on air, and all of a sudden their words would come in my head, oh. like oh. "Shut up, you're not good enough. Shut up, you didn't play. Shut up." Like, and I would start talking, and I would stop talking. My goodness. And that's when I realized, Jess, you got to stop. Mm. Like, you got to figure out, because they're not going away. Wow. And so you can't let them affect the way that you go about doing what you do. Thank you for saying that. I'm amazed that you said that. What did you, how did you do it? I just, I, what I learned is, so Twitter is like the worst of, of them, even though I, I use Twitter and mm-hmm. I, I love it for other reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't look at my mentions for like, 24 to 40 hours after a Sunday Night Baseball game because that's when they're strong. And they're strong positive and they're strong negative. Everyone has a strong reaction to me. No one's just like, oh, it's a, unfortunately, like no one's like, oh, it's a female, no big deal. Right, it's a big deal. deal. So everyone has some sort of reaction. And so I just don't read them. And when I come back on there, it's died down. If anyone has anything to say, it's not like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And if someone really wants to come up and say something to me to my face Mm -hmm. or 
I found that that is always constructive. Like, so whoever has the balls yeah. to actually like come up to me and be like, I didn't think you did a good job with, and right. I've had people come up and mm-hmm. say that, we can actually have a conversation. Right, yeah. And, and to be honest, I'm so relieved because that means you listen to me. Yeah. I mean, half the time it's like, oh, you're a woman. You're, I'm like, does anyone like mm-hmm. hear me? <laughs> like, yeah, right. I, I know I'm a female. I've known that I'm my pretty whole sure. life. Been thank this way you. Quite a while. Yeah, thank yeah. you for making me realize my yeah. gender. Yeah. Um, but it's it's literally when it's something that's like, oh, you you listen to me. Yeah. Because that I can take. Mm-hmm. And we might even still disagree. I mm-hmm. might still argue, but no, his back foot was in that position. Mm-hmm. But now we're having a real yes. human conversation, not yep. an egghead, I hate you, go away. I really appreciate you talking about it because I think people need to know that, that is part of what you face. It's part of what everybody will face if they're going to do anything great in their life that's just different. Like if you're the first entrepreneur, you're the first person trying to make six figures, you're the first person trying to go to college, you know, you're going to switch through a career your whole family thought you should be in. But you do face that. And so I've always wondered how, because they affect me even. It's really strange. Like I'm in this mental toughness position I'm supposed right? to be in. And even yesterday there was a video out and someone made a criticism. But I've also distinguished between, you know, what I think is legitimate criticism and just one of these blank avatars who just hates people, you know. But I appreciate you. But it's still, like, that's the thing is, like, and I've gotten better. And I think mm-hmm. our, our skin gets thicker yeah, the more time. of it yep. we get. I mean, I come from a sport in softball where everyone's pretty much, like, positive And yeah. maybe little things here mm-hmm. and there, but everyone's just lifting you up. Right. Lifting you up, lifting yep. you up. So in the, in the beginning, it was it was hard yes. to, like, just hear, like, a lot of just... Re- and my thing is, is, like... I don't know, my husband makes fun of me because mm-hmm. I'm very naive and that, like, I really believe, like, I don't know, like, there's something good in, like, everybody. Me too. And so when people, are, it's it's not that, it's more like I can feel their hatred. Mm-hmm. And so I've said this, I'm like, I just want to sit down with them and yeah, be please. like, why do you hate me? Right? Like, why do you hate me? And you can hate me after this, right. but can we just talk about it? Like, what I found, why are you so angry? Yeah, <laughs> but what I found overall is that for the most part, they, and I don't mean this to hurt anybody's feelings, they hate them. Like the time it takes to type something like that, and by the way, it always isn't more negative than positive because when you do something very well, people aren't likely to go, you did this very well. It's usually you're going to get an overwhelming majority of the people who type something to you that's negative, but typically they're projecting upon you something that's bothering them in their own life, and I remind myself of that all the time, and I actually try to help them. If I'm going to respond, I usually try to respond by helping them. So, But everybody listen awesome. to her. Everybody listen to her because that is one of the things when you're pioneering, when you're trailblazing, there's more of this than you can imagine with her. And you deal with it very well. The way you're dealing with it is you're winning. So all of you that are like, how do I deal with it? Fix it? you got to win. You're winning. She's freaking winning. Like she just renewed. She's so great at what she does. You know, the 1% of the people out there decide to type something. Obviously, everybody else thinks you're going pretty damn good because you just renewed, right? And well, so- and I think finding, I was tested for the first time in my life since probably like high school when you're mm-hmm. battling through like 50, like awkwardness, like mm-hmm. who am I? Yeah. Like, you know, your insecurities are at an all time mm-hmm. high. And then, you know, through my life, I found this very confident, like, I, I went, like, I can kick ass in life. Like, I'm going to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I found this very confident person. And all of a sudden, when you think you got it, like, you know, I was right back to being 15 again. I know. And so I had to, like, really look inside me and find out, like, why is this affecting me? Mm -hmm. What about me? What are the weaker parts? And I had to Mm -hmm. get strong again. I thought I was so strong. Mm -hmm. And I preached it. I mean, all my whole life before this, all I did was speak to young girls about like being an Olympic athlete and finding mm. strength and standing out. And here I am not even listening to my own words. And so that like, it was like a slap in the face of like, how do I, 
How do I find that strong person again mm. that apparently I've been not faking, but like thinking this whole time, like I'm so strong. And then one person comes or not one person, but I know what you mean. And they come and attack you. And the next thing I know, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, wow. And I start doubting myself and I'm stopping in the middle of a broadcast what I'm mm -hmm. saying because I heard so many people telling me to shut up. Mm. And so I'm like, you know what I need? And I, I really had to find myself again. And I'd, I'd lost her. Like, I don't know, you know, I, I thought that she was always there, but it was actually kind of cool because I thought once you graduate high school, all the awkwardness of like figuring all that stuff out, but it can come at any age. And I learned that. Man, I, I, there's a lot of reasons why we did today, but for me, like, this is the reason. Because it's interesting. This is so good for everyone to hear, like, they're listening in on me and you on this, but um, I'm in the space, so of teaching people how to win and be mentally tough and change their confidence and their identity and all these things. I've been talking about it forever, typically in front of favorable audiences all the time, right? And I was that insecure, shy, very unconfident young guy too. And it's amazing even the way that you worded it, that dude's still there. And I didn't know he was still there until I went in this and I got some criticism for a thing or two here. And I, even, I should say even me, that sounds arrogant, but I went back to like, uh, oh, I, maybe I maybe I don't want to do this. That's not worth it, you know. And I went back to that guy for a while too. I'm like, oh, you've been like full of shit for a while here. Like you aren't this completely strong, studly, completely yeah. have all the answers guy. Exactly the same thing. And I had to kind of rediscover that in myself too. Like I need to practice what I'm preaching. And I think for everyone to know this, there's going to be moments where you do step back. That I don't think that dude like completely ever goes away from no. who I used to be. No. And you have to work like hell to keep him away. Like once you think he's away, he's still there or she's still there. So, But it makes you human. Like yeah. that's what I realized is like I'd be talking to these girls and I've learned the more I share that, that yeah. I say there's times I look myself in the mirror and I don't see what I want. Mm -hmm. I don't see, I see all the things that I could be doing better and and it's real, it's relatable. Mm -hmm. And so then I, ha I have to find that strength now every day. Like mm -hmm. I got to figure out and, and it's easy to have the cover. You know, because I, I do, I am a strong person. Yep. That person is there. Mm -hmm. But there also is the other. Yes. And it isn't until the haters come out, or even honestly, my own. Your own criticism yeah, yourself. Me like, too. That's actually what comes out the most. Me too. My own little Twitter handle in my head. No, me too. It's the worst one. I gave a speech a while ago that wasn't good uh, by my standards. Yeah. In front of a lot of people, maybe like 30,000 people. And these guys filmed me afterwards on my jet. And I, I think I almost look like the verge of tears. You know, like, how do you feel like you did today? I said, honestly, terrible. You know, and it's that's I'm back to that guy again. But I actually think it's a little bit healthy, like you said, because it's I'm looking for improvement in me when I do those things. So really, really grateful that you that you shared that with everybody, because everyone's going through that and you go through it to a large extent. So I'm glad that you said it that way. A couple more things then. Yeah. Um, your book. Yeah. <laughs> it's right here. It's been here the whole time. Hi, book. Hi, book. So <laughs> what is There's No Base Like Home? You and your sister wrote this book, right? Yes. Who's it for and what is it about? Talk about a busy woman. So well, it came out this year. Mm -hmm. um, and oh my gosh, I never realized, I mean, you know, like mm -hmm. writing a book, oh, I, I don't gosh. know what I thought. Like, yeah. oh yeah, sure. Yeah. It took years. Yes. And thank, I mean, honestly, my sister wasn't a part of it at first. Um, it was just me. Mm -hmm. um, they were going to kind of like get like a ghostwriter that kind of mm -hmm. helps navigate you. And I just, you know, struggling to get through it because my life had changed and all this mm. stuff was happening. And then they decided, you know what, your sister, who's, she's 11th grade English teacher, Alana mm. Dusan, and they were like, 
has she ever written anything? I'm like, no. Like, what if you guys did this together? I mean, the book was always about two softball sisters, two okay. basically girls growing up trying to navigate okay. um, everything, <laughs> right? Ah. Trying to na navigate life, trying mm. to navigate um, cultural. You know, there's mm. a definitely a little bit of the Hispanic, but it doesn't. It's not even the Hispanic. It's more of just like your family all you've known but now you're you're getting pressured by friends to believe and think other things mm. um you know and then the sport aspect which is what i love because mm. it's got the, the softball in there but then two sisters and so to write this with my sister oh cool and even though it's it's definitely a, a fiction it, mm. it is my family really and it just turned out that way based in truth the stories there i mean i cried when i finished it and it was really cool because my dad and we had talked about my father mm. earlier um when my dad, who doesn't read books, no offense, dad, but he just doesn't read books. When he read this book, I mean, he he got emotional. He did. And, and it's because, I mean, even the illustrations, like he's totally, he's got a big Fu Manchu mustache, big Mexican, like, and so even the illustrator, like, nailed it. With, really? Like, getting his idea. But, yeah, it's it's our family. Um, but what? there's so much reality in there. Okay. Too. Who should read it? What age would you say? I mean, it's geared towards eight to twelve-year-olds, okay. um, but I, I don't know. I, I have so many. I, mean, I have so many people that have read it. Like mm. honestly, women that I'm friends with okay. have gone and read the book, and you know, it, it it just dives into so many different things. And like I said, you might think it's eight to twelve-year-old stuff. But it's adult stuff too. I mean, we wrote it as adults mm. with the the mindset of what it was like then, but mm. it definitely I felt myself get in here and just how you kind of battle and find yourself. Wow. So, so like, you know, it, but it really is a constant, and what we talked about, a constant battle and yep. just getting back to like being different. Like, and mm. you said that, you said special, like what mm. makes you special? My thing is like everyone has something about them that's mm -hmm. different. That's right. And, and like it comes in all these different forms, but we're so pressured, Ed, and mm. I feel like I can only speak as women, mm. but to fit in. You know, yeah. to look like everyone else, to mm. act like everyone else, to have mm. the cool, like, whatever it is to fit in. Yeah. But standing out is where it's at. Yes. And really. standing out is literally finding the things that make you different mm. and owning them and waving that flag and being like, this is who I am. I already know where you're going to be eventually, just so you know. Like, this is the space you're going to be in eventually because your stuff is so good and it's so true. And the people that I know that are the happiest and most successful are the most self-aware. And that's what you are. And that's what we're talking about today. It's about being self-aware of, but the things that you're strong at, your struggles, the the, the little girl that's still in there. All, you're just a very self-aware woman, and that's why you're so powerful. How do, they, how do they find the book? Like, now I want one. You told me there's one here for me somewhere, yes, right? Yes, I know. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, I know all no, these I want it. Like, I gotta, my son's like, it was, this is your son's version. What's cool is he bookmarked, like, so all these pages, he, like, bent the pages. Oh, wow. So that he goes back and he, like, reads them. He, his name's in here, too, so he, he loves that. Oh, but wonderful. I went and read it at a school, and so he's got, like, 17 pages. That's that so cool. He earmarked. So if someone comes over and they ask, he has like, well, this is my favorite part, and this is my favorite part, and wonderful. How do they yeah. get it? Oh, Can sorry. you get it on Amazon? Amazon, um, okay. but like indie bookstores. Okay. But yeah, all the all the usual spots. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we'll you. put it on my Instagram too. We'll promote it for you. So, a couple more things, real quick, because we're I'm taking up a bunch of your time. Do you have a mentor? I'm just curious. Oh, uh, I mean, I have a lot. I mean, do you? I honestly like. I mean, listening to you talk, mm -hmm. it. it you could put in mentor in a bunch of different ways. There's probably people that you continuously go back to, but yeah. I find that like, I love learning from people. Mm. Like the reason I got excited about this is mm. that I started to really learn about you. Oh, thank you. No, but like the mm. more you can surround yourself with mm. people that are like saying the things that you want to yep. hear in yourself, yep. like that to me is like, that's how mentorship happens. Mm -hmm. It's just surrounding yourself and it, 
I mean, even when I was younger, I, I would literally gravitate to the varsity high school shortstop, mm -hmm. Julie Borchard. Like, I would literally follow mm -hmm. her around everywhere. Mm -hmm. And she was like my, I mean, idol. It was a local person. Yep. As a 12-year-old girl, yeah. she was going to college. She had a full-ride scholarship. She's like big time. She was big time. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried to emulate and learn and figure out who she was. One of the coolest things in life, if everyone has that experience, is to turn a couple of your heroes into your friends. It's like the most miraculous, amazing experience, you know? Yeah. I'm conscious of that myself. It's like, if I'm ever that role for somebody, I always want to be available and accessible to people yeah. that are, that's why we do this right here, what we're doing. So what would you say to somebody, even though you wouldn't acknowledge any of that? Someone says, hey, I, I want to turn my life around. It's not where I want it. I want it better. I want to make my dreams happen. Is there any advice you would give to somebody, man or woman, who they go, I watched the whole show. I'm fascinated. Like what would, what steps or any advice at all, tactic, thought, idea would you give me to improve my life? I think it's, it's like literally, and we touched on this earlier, but like finding what makes you different. Mm -hmm. um, and I see that in you and your work mm -hmm. um, is, is you're not afraid to put out there like the real, the mm -hmm. unique, cause we're all, I mean, we're all different. We yeah. all are. Yeah. And I think what, people are craving now more than ever is is finding out so if you're whatever it is you know that you're you're in whatever age you are whatever point you are in your life whether it's it's personal whether it's business is like figuring out who the heck you are and there's definitely something in there that's like I don't recognize this in anyone else and normally I think our instinct is to be like okay push that back now. <laughs> like, I don't know where you came from but like that's not gonna fit in this room don't fit in don't fit in just like totally mm -hmm. stand out. Mm. And when I think about standing out, that's like what like successful people do. They stand out whether it's because they're smart in a certain way or, but I really believe in the person and, and what allows you to continue that success is just to own whoever it is. When you know, everyone knows that part of you. Yes. Walks into a room and is mm. like, this ain't like any of you. Yes. And just own that. And oh. you're going to get some weird looks sometimes. Yep. <laughs> and you're going to get people yep. that are going to be like, she's weird. Yes. And, and kind of be okay with that too. I love that because I, it's gosh, like I love that because I think through that gift you have is also where your purpose is and your passion. So what you said is like, I, I wouldn't, I could not answer that any better or differently. Like I honestly believe every human being was born with some unique blessing or gift or multiple ones to them. It could be your communication skills, your intensity, your math skills, nurturing, humor, beauty, kindness, listening skills, but you have them. And when you can just get quiet and allow yourself a little bit of credit, go, you know, that's one thing I'm good at. You know, because people have this long list of stuff, I'm not any good at this. But you were born with a gift. You were born with some blessings. And one of the great joys of your life is when you discover that. And then if you really want to be happy, you take that gift and that blessing and you use it to, towards doing good work for other people. And now you've got a formula for being fulfilled. And so. And not just for them, but like connecting with them. Mm, and that's yeah, what you do. It's, yeah. it's not just, I want to use this for you. It's mm. like taking that and being like, I'm going to use this so that we can just meet in mm. this like way. And then you take whatever you created there and you take that to the next level. And you just, and then you meet all these amazing people. And then you end up like just spreading that, whatever that is, whatever you just found together yeah instead the, of it just being like me giving this to you it's like no we're we, giving each other yeah. i think you just described you <laughs> better than you described me i just i think that's literally what you've been doing all your life all the way from in the olympics walking over there to the iraqi athlete all the way to the way you described your relationship in the in the booth with your family 
and then with the book, and then here today. I think you're amazing. Like, I'm so really glad we did this. I knew this was gonna be really good from watching you and admiring you on TV. Then we met, I knew it would be good, and things Alex said, but this exceeded what I thought it would be today. Like, I really, I love this. Thank you so much. Yeah. You helped so many people today. So, hey, everybody, well, you can follow Jessica on Instagram. Where's that where they should yeah, find you? Jess Mendoza, too. Jess Mendoza, too, on Instagram. You're already following me probably, but what you need to do is you need to make sure you're subscribed to this podcast if you're listening to the audio or subscribe to the YouTube version as well. And remember every day on Instagram, I do the max out two minute drill, which means if you make a comment on my Instagram in the first two minutes with that hashtag max out next to it in the main post, we do a drawing every day and you get gear from me, books, coaching calls with me and my guests. Today was miraculously, amazingly awesomeness. So thank you so I much. I love all the additives. Yeah, it was all miraculously wonderful. Miraculously amazingly awesomeness. That, That's the name of this I'm gonna, one. <laughs> I'm gonna, tra- I'm gonna trademark that. And thank you for having me in your home yeah, too. So thank yeah. you so much. Max out, God bless you everybody. This is the Ed Milet Show.